As the 21st century automotive world evolves and new electric vehicle technologies are introduced, new leaders will emerge on the landscape. The EV Power Podcast by RPM News takes you behind the headlines as your guide to this new generation of sustainable transportation. And welcome, everybody, to the EV Power Podcast, brought to you by RPM News Weekly. My name is Peter Ciani, and with me, as always, is Rich. Rich, how's things going? Very well. Thanks. Uh, great to be here. Good, good. You almost had to think about that for a second. <laughs> a little <laughs> pause there. Well, do you want the the good answer or the or the or the or the or the, or the real answer? What you, and, uh, yeah, things things are going very well. Okay. It's been a good week. Uh, some good news, uh, and we'll be getting that into that in the podcast. Yeah, and uh, we're finally getting a little bit of spring weather, but not that you know nothing all that that great. Yeah, it's been a good week. A little bit cool, but uh, that's okay. It's late April. You can sometimes expect it. Although it's been up here in Massachusetts, it's been a little bit below normal in terms of temperature. But you know these ups and down swings, I guess, all part of what's happening in the climate. Yeah, I've got nothing up here in New Hampshire, but like gray skies and. It's been gray skies and wind, just nonstop wind. Yeah, plenty of it. Well, you know, one thing is for sure is, is that this is why we don't plant tomatoes in April here in New England. Don't plant them in May either. You know? Yeah, wh- when when do you plant tomatoes? Because I have a bunch of uh, sometimes, Usually, for me, it's usually sometime in June, yeah. you know, mid-June maybe. No, oh, good. That's something I'll keep in mind. And thanks, everyone, for joining us on the gardening podcast. I <laughs> I, I, you know the kids want to do tomatoes this year, so I've got to. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kinda... Well, you know, we're supposed to dovetail into this uh, great news uh, coming out of Boston about their school buses. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Boston's taking a step towards electrifying all of the transportation in the city, and the, and they have to sort of because that's where everyone's going. It's going to be EV eventually. So, if you want to uh, give us the rundown on on that? Well, I've got some of it. You know, I, I can't say that I'm a. a, a I've got all the details, but the most important ones uh, were in a press conference that uh, the mayor, uh, Michelle Wu, had at Madison Park High School. It's a technical high school, and uh, they were there with the students in the automotive garage. And what they were announcing is, is that uh, a, both the acquisition and training uh, for the purchase of 20 electric buses, school buses, uh, at a cost of about 350000 per bus, but which was al- already had been budgeted for. And also for, and, and perhaps even more importantly, is that there will be 10 mechanics that are going to be trained. That will be sort of training the trainees. They're going to train the mechanics that work in the city who are in turn are going to then train students. Yeah, I like that angle uh, on it. Yeah, very important, you know, uh, especially too because we're all transitioning to a more electric future uh, in the automobile world, we've seen this year has been like a banner year as far as EVs go. Right, yeah, and that sort of ties into something we'll be talking about later with the New York Auto Show. It has to start somewhere, you know, and, and one of the things that the, this particular uh, press release has pointed out is that the training in the technical schools in their automotive departments has not necessarily focused on electric vehicles. And uh, what they're announcing is that the electric vehicle studies will be part of the core curriculum come the fall, uh, fall of 2022. Uh, and uh, it's all heading towards this idea that uh, they'll have a full electric school bus fleet by 2030. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, sometimes those, those deadlines like that are a little bit squishy, but in this case, you know, we're already looking at 
20 school buses. That's that's a definite uh, that will be all electric. I hate when people make sort of goals like that, but they, they sort of admitted, uh, if you watch the entire press conference, um, the director of um, public works and fleet maintenance, I think his name was Bill Coughlin, he, he did kind of make a little bit of a side comment that that was ambitious, but it doesn't change the fact that it's their goal, you know. And and, right. and they have a fleet of over 700 buses citywide. I mean, 739. Um, so what does that work out to? That's like somewhere around 90 buses a year that they have to purchase? I mean, that seems a little far-fetched. Right. From a budget. But that's not just the school department. That that wouldn't just be the school department. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. And, and you know, it, it's it's interesting that, that, that Mr. Coughlin, that you referenced, uh, made that comment. I, I actually wrote it down as a quote. He said, 2030 may be a bit of a stretch, but yeah. we'll try. Yeah. Uh, but then he went on to say that, uh, and, and this is also a direct quote, he said, the points, plugs, condensers, uh, rotate the tires, drum brakes, gone. We're into modules, more modules and computers. And if they don't talk to each other, yeah. machines down. Yeah. Then it's your job, he said, looking at the students, uh, to figure it out, and I know you will. So I think that that's kind of indicative of, of what's really happening, not only in the automotive world with, you know, when we say changing infrastructure and building infrastructure about putting charging stations up, it also involves uh, training mechanics to be able to work on mm-hmm. electric vehicles. Uh, it's a very different thing, uh, you know, than working on, uh, uh, on uh, an ICE engine or an internal combustion engine. Yeah. Uh, not only because of the yeah. electronics that are involved in it, but also just the, the nature of, of how it de- uh, delivers power. There, there are still a lot of similarities. You know, you've got your, you do have conventional brakes, you do have uh, regular suspension. Uh, tire maintenance is really important on an EV because they're heavier. So, so in, in a way, it, you know, a lot of it does sort of transition over, but, but yeah, you're not going to be changing spark plugs either, so... <laughs> Right, right. Well, and in, in, even in some cases, too, the the level at which electronics has has become part of the vehicle. That even when you talk about brakes, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily recommend an individual deciding to replace their own uh, uh, brake pads uh, these days unless they really know what they're doing, uh, because you've got the other systems that are involved, you know, uh, in your brakes, and also how. In many of the cars, too, that's integrated into what's happening under the hood, um, uh, so that it provides certain uh, uh, torque levels to certain wheels, uh, and uh, you know, so they have better control and stability in the vehicles. So there's a lot more that's happening that, as you know, Mr. Coffin points out, you know, with the modules, uh, all the electronic modules, the control systems that are integrated now. They all talk to each other. Everything's got to yeah. communicate back and forth. Yeah, so that's a big job, I mean, if you really think about it. Uh, and I think that what's happening in here is is that, uh, and I thought it was very applaudable, is, is that what they're realizing is, is is that there's a real urban need for people who understand how to fix vehicles. I mean, if you're going to buy a car and you live in Boston, you don't want to have to drive out to the suburbs to get it fixed. Uh, you want to be able to go somewhere in your neighborhood to get it fixed. And, uh, and so that's what their plan is, is that they, is to, you know, train the students now so that they will have that uh, um, ability not only to find jobs when they leave, but they'll be able to service the com- people in the community. So I think that's, that's applaudable. 
Right, and that's one of the, the, the biggest benefits, like I was saying, where it's, it's interesting that they're doing this whole tying it into training because you're talking about um, that school where, where they held, held the press conferences in Roxbury. So if you know Boston, Roxbury's sort of like right in the heart there. It's, it's, it's a little bit lower income and, and there's not as much opportunities. So if you're training kids on electric cars, now they can go out to, you know, any any manufacturer because you've got you, you know you've got Tesla of course they have a big service center I think right out in um, where are they they're in Dedham I think and Lucid is opening theirs up in Natick. So and then on top of that you've got the OEMs who are going to be desperate need of of people who can work on electric vehicles. You got your Ford, your Chevy, you know all these everyone everyone's going to need technicians who are familiar you know with so it gives them a good opportunity it gives a good a good head start to get out and get something a little better than you know as far as job wise right yeah uh one of the important things is you know creating those opportunities so it is forward thinking yeah. uh, i have to say that not necessarily as forward it's more forward thinking than what we're seeing at the post office that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's a little backwards thinking. <laughs> uh, talk about the post office. Well, just to kind of uh, uh, put it out there so that uh, listeners might uh, understand what we're referencing, is that uh, the U.S. Postal Service uh, has apparently decided to go ahead with all of these uh, uh, gasoline-powered vehicles for their whole fleet, which is sort of just really kind of runs across the grain as far as what... Uh, yeah, you know, look, planning ahead because you know, those vehicles will be in the fleet for decades, possibly, as the old fleet has been. Uh, and as uh, news that's been just kind of come surfacing to us is that uh, there'll be a lot of pushback. Uh, already, like 16 states and a number of environmental groups have uh, decided that they're going to sue the U.S. Postal Service over this decision to go ahead with uh, these cars. Um, and, and it's worthwhile noting it is is that. Uh, you know, these are vehicles that will be driving through our neighborhoods for the next number of decades at a time when we know that we need to reduce our fossil fuel emissions uh, you know, to alleviate all the complications that have, it's, it's created uh, in the climate. So, you know, I, I, where they, what they're thinking and why they're doing it, uh, one can either guess or surmise. Uh, but it seems it seems to be backwards thinking. Right. It, when you you really put it in perspective, now the the um, the current vehicles that they have, the Grumman, the, the the little vans that they use, those came out in 1987, and those were based on the the uh, Chevy S10. Basically, it's like a Chevy S10 platform with you know it's a little four cylinder. Uh, with an aluminum frame, truck frame with a little aluminum body on the top. So, so those those were in production from '87 to '94, and they're still using them daily. And we've talked about this in the past in other episodes where it's like, even the people who maintain them at the post office like acknowledge how dangerous these these vehicles are. Besides the fact they have no safety features at all, uh, you, you're talking about rust. You're talking about just vehicles that have been patched together over and over again. But the thing is. You know th this whole con the, the contract that they they have going with Oshkosh, that's a 10-year contract. So so now if you figure if they get, you know if they, if they plan on getting the same life that they've gotten out of these, the vans that they're currently using. So now you're talking a 10-year contract. These these vehicles will be theoretically running for 40 years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like you know what I mean? It could be 30 or 40 years. 
before they're replaced with, an, with with something new, unless you know the government doesn't let it languish as long as they have with the yeah. Well, so it really but asks the, um, begs the question: What are they thinking, or, or what are they not? What are they not right. thinking? In Oshkosh's defense, when UPS had put out sort of a call for the you know they they, they invited a bunch of manufacturers to bring a prototype, and that was quite a while ago actually too. It was a long time ago. And, and, and Oshkosh followed the rules. They did what they were supposed to at the time, but when you look at, at the rate at which technology moves, and, and if they put that call out again, even this year, with there's so much advancement, right? you know, there'd probably be so much more technology or, or even more companies that would probably put in a right. bid for this. You know, it, it, it'd be like, I, I get where like Oshkosh might get hurt, and maybe they even owe them compensation for this, but... It's just for the future, you know. You, you, you should just take that hit and then restart the whole program and, and see what comes up. You know, you've got Ford, you've got Rivian, you've got uh, even Lucid. Not that I think they would do that, but and then you've got like the newcomers like Indy EV and 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 Vinfast. You know, who knows what what these people might bring to the table now that now that the technology is really right. growing. And even if you decided that, you know, uh, uh, which would be I think a, a decision that. Uh, Many folks would go along with well, this: is that that the purchase would have to be from an American company. Uh, there's plenty of, of uh, EV activity going on, uh, not only at the big manufacturers, uh, but also with uh, startup companies. And uh, some of them have really proven themselves. Uh, Lucid, which you mentioned, is one of them. Uh, you know, these are not companies that have uh, you know here today, gone tomorrow. These are companies that have really established uh, some firm footing. Rivian is another one. You know, they've been around for 10 years, kind of quietly working in the background. And uh, you know, now they've got a truck that's out there. Uh, and I would imagine a truck like that could be, uh, you know, retrofitted or something, uh, you know, something that would be more, more useful yeah. for, uh, for the post office. You know, even if you wanted to be fair and say, even say to Oshkosh, all right, well, you guys won the contract, but, you know, we'll give you first chance to come up with something. All electric. You know what I mean? Give, give, give a yeah, chance. Yeah, go back to the drawing board. Give a chance. Board. Say, hey, you got this much time to come up with something all electric. Yeah, that'd make great sense. You know, you, if you don't want to take the contract from them, that's fine, but give them an opportunity to say, look, we, this, we're going to change the deal. And even you have to up the, up the money. You know, uh, it's just, you know, got to kind of suck it up and, and, and do make a better decision than just putting more gas. And, and the irony is, I think that, and I don't want to quote any numbers because I don't remember, but I, I think I read that the the vans that they're proposing, the, 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 the MPG is the same as the vans that they were buying in, in 1987. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if that's the case, then it's uh, even more of a yeah. joke. That's like no progress there. Well, uh, but let's talk on progress. Uh, you were at the New York Auto Show uh, just last week, and uh, lots of uh, EV happenings there, from what I understand. Uh, you'll have to take the lead on yeah, that. I wasn't yeah, there. You, just kind of caught some of the stories. Yeah, well, to start, um, the New York Auto Show was a much smaller footprint, uh, which is funny because, you know, the, the Jarvet Center, where it's held in New York City, uh, they spent years upgrading that place and expanding it, and now the auto show comes in, you know, its first show back in two years, and, and it's like a fraction of what it used to be. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, there's a ton of space in that. There's a lot. Several yeah. levels. Yeah, yeah. There's like it, it, it's it's very spread out. So you have a main level, and then you have a sort of a main lower level, and then you go out to the right, and you have like a, another sort of dis like um, 
open space. That's where like Chrysler used to be and stuff, and uh, Fiat, like some of those kind of off to the side brand. And then you had another. There was like a third level that was like vendors. But yeah, it was all basically condensed to like the two primary levels. There was a lot of manufacturers that didn't show. Uh, Mercedes, BMW, right. Honda. Honda basically said that they're done with auto shows. I think that's going to change. I think they'll they'll probably turn around and go, no, you know, rethink that because mm. they're going to get their butts handed yeah, to them. You would think. And then uh, so so like Mercedes and BMW, they used to take up half the the floor uh, before, and now so. What they ended up doing with the auto show is they ended up, in, instead of just having a bunch of empty floor space, they, they had three indoor EV test tracks. So That's, that's so, new. That's a novel yeah, thing. Yeah, so they had, a, they had an EV test track. I want to say they had one the last show, but it wasn't very big. I think it was just like the Nissan Leaf. <laughs> but they had this expansive EV test track on the lower level. Just for clarity's sake, what this means is that because uh, gasoline vehicles cannot be run indoors, they never had indoor tracks with them. They would have something outside. But now, with electric vehicles, especially all electric vehicles that have no harmful emissions, they can run cars inside. And so they made, took full advantage of it this year. The irony is, like, uh, so Jeep has always run a test track outside. They've had Camp Jeep. But this year they were running their hybrid electric vehicles. <laughs> so, so they were using plug-in vehicles outside as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, on, uh, in, in Ford, like right in their booth, they had a they had a track set up to take test rides in the Lightning, and uh, you know that was impressive, you know, because they were doing full on launches. So you, besides the fact that those trucks was all wheel drive, it's just that instantaneous torque, in it and, and the front wheels and the both all four wheels grabbing at once, like that was, it felt like one of the fastest vehicles I've ever accelerated in. Um, so when you say they they were doing launches, they were actually sort of like oh really they were getting on you know, it oh yeah pedal yep. pedals pedal to the down. metal kind of stuff yep pedal down and and uh, like back of your seat like chest pain <laughs> it was good and and, uh, and all this now mind you you're indoors and you're heading straight for a wall <laughs> so, but, but so. you weren't driving you weren't no you don't get to drive no no you don't you don't get to drive on the they call it a test track but you don't get to drive you just take rides. And uh, and then Kia had their own ride along, and they had their own right in the middle of the Kia booth. It was right in the, directly in the center of the floor. And with the Kia, you know, they had their EV6s all bombing around in, in a little circle. So it was it was nice because it was way more interactive. Like you, you know, you, it, was, it was less cars, but there was more interactivity. Interactivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so, and, uh, where did where did the, they had another track then for some of the other cars? There were some newcomers to the to yeah. The show. So down in the downstairs track, they had um, it was the Nissan. Um, I mean, they had a few of the, the the usual suspects, of course, but you know the, the cars that have been around. But they had the the Nissan Araya, uh, which is the new elect. It, it's sort of like a uh, kind of like a Murano sized crossover. From mm-hmm. it's all EV that's coming soon from Nissan, and they had um, Vinfast, which is a new company out of Vietnam. Uh, they were running their kind of pre-production. It's the VF8, so it's sort of right. their midsize. I would say about the size of maybe the GMC Acadia, maybe a little smaller. Right. Now, I heard it was very impressive too. Actually, it's more, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was great because it was it was very. Um, it, it felt like it was it was like sales floor ready you know it felt like it was ready to go it didn't feel like a concept at all 
uh, it was you know very elegant inside. Like it, it, um, we also by comparison we, we we got a ride in in, in the Indy EV. Indy EV is is a new startup. They haven't produced any vehicles. Uh, whereas Vinfast, they actually they actually had some vehicles already in production, but they were more like BMW conversions. They weren't their own in house. But uh, Indy EV. Oh, Did they say on. anything about uh, dealership networks or whatever they've done with that? How are they going to get their vehicle? No, it's going to be, you know, it was more like just showing off the cars, but we have to assume it's going to be the same sort of system, you know, where uh, that that Lucid and, you know, Tesla sort of paved that way, Lucid is following that road, and now I think everyone coming in is going to be sort of following out. But I don't remember them mentioning any, any sort of networks. And then Indy EV is, I think they're way too early in, in development to even talk about that and they, their goal is it, they have like a much smaller car uh, but their goal is to is a focus on the user experience so the car itself is, is sort of like the passengers it, it's all about the technology it, like a, a gaming machine on wheels sort of you know like that oh, yeah. going for that sort of but that's the background isn't it uh, computer I gaming believe, I, um, I believe so but the, the, like the car itself is is basically powered by a gaming like the the systems are run by a gaming computer, and the way they build it is like the, the hood has a little Claire spot, and you, so you can see the the computer system under the hood. So it's like the ultimate nerdy if you think about it. You know, instead right. of having a supercharger or a blower sticking up to the hood, you're gonna have a computer sticking up to the hood. <laughs> but um, you know, their their car, they, they, and, and to their credit, they were given rides in in this really pre-production car. Like it felt. Cons- it, it, it was like Ford opening the doors on a concept car and taking people for rides. You don't usually hear about that. That doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you know, because it's sort of a gamble for them because if you get somebody in there and, and they're like, oh, the fit and finish is terrible, you know, like you could tell like some of the some of the, the buttons and lighting were sort of faked out, you know, plastic and the materials and the, the door frames were a little, you know, flimsy. and So it definitely wasn't a production vehicle or even a pre-production vehicle. It was, it was a, like just a... A concept vehicle, but it was they still been, smooth. They must have been banking on the buzz that they would get from just the sort of wow factor, versus right, uh, you know, pick, picking up on you know where it's an unfinished vehicle. Yeah, and and and, and like I said, I mean, I fully acknowledge that it was it, it's a concept. Uh, I wouldn't criticize them for you know anything on the interior because it's it's just that it, 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 but I, I actually give them props for being bold enough to give people rides especially media people rides in, in what is their concept and it, it was smooth you know it felt smooth the acceleration was smooth it's nice looking inside and then like in the passenger seat you have a full on computer screen so it's not just like off to the side it's, it's literally in front of you there's a computer screen uh, we can run different things they were running like a VR that you could do a VR ride but uh, you know, they're like, would you like to use the virtual reality goggles? And it's like, well, I'm in the car. I, I think I'd rather just, you know, not do that. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I get it. But it's like, I, I don't want a virtual reality ride while I'm in the car. Wow. It's just funny. It, like, I, I just found it funny. Like, and besides the fact, I'll get car sick. I can't. I think, can't. Think of the potential, you know. Yeah. Instead of, you know, just driving down the highway, you know, mile after mile, a boring reality of just, you know, straight <laughs> highway. You put on your virtual reality glasses. The car's got all this automatic driving features anyway, yeah. and you suddenly get this whole new environment you're driving through. That's interesting. It, that's a that's a step ahead. <laughs> you know, someone someone would say that's real futuristic. 
Yeah, it would be it would be weird, but you know, it would also be like the land of pop-ups. You'd be driving through California and there'd be, you know, a nice road and there'd be like floating pop-ups and I can imagine, you know, it looked like a like a cartoon, <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like going into like a, a fictional world and like a Disney cartoon. Yeah. But, you know, so so that was nice that they they had the um the, the, you know, the, like I said, it, it it allowed you to sort of get in cars and and actually feel like the lightning they must have sold so many lightnings that week because the show just wrapped really? up on, on on Sunday. Ford Lightning last Sunday. Right. Oh, the Ford the Ford Lightning that is very impressive. I mean, it, it, it's even, they had you know, a they had a, a a throwback too, didn't they? To yeah, so they had the the seventy eight Ford F one hundred. Ford built this a, a couple years back as a showcase for their electric crate engines because they're doing electric crate engines but also for the Mustang Mach-E GT so the, the F100 if, if you if you want to look it up it's sort of like a resto mod pickup truck you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's lowered it, I think it rides on a, on a Mach-E pla- chassis or or very similar um, so so it's an old body it's 1978 it's repainted sort of in modern colors got a beautiful interior and you know leather interior of course and uh, and it's got a, a GT powertrain uh, from the new Mach E GT. So so the guy I, that was totally unexpected surprise because it was there and it's like oh I've seen that I've seen pictures of that and you know it was on display and then all of a sudden I I go over there and they're, they're driving it around so they Ford made like a, a last minute decision I think the guy kind of said that they didn't really know they were going to do that and uh, kind of alluded to the fact that it was sort of a last minute thing. So they decided to take people for rides in it, and uh, very impressive. Like that thing it launches as well. You know, it has some real kick to it. But they weren't launching it as hard. The guy even said to me, the guy, the driver, he's even said to the side, he's like, um, after we did the the launch, he's like, yeah, that wasn't even a fraction of the power. <laughs> he's like, that wasn't even a quarter. And I think they were a little nervous about taking that one full full throttle towards a wall. You know, because um, right. if something goes well, wrong there, you're, you're doomed. Uh, well, just to kind of tie things up and wrap things up here is, is that uh, speaking full throttle, it uh, seems like uh, EVs now have uh, found a, a way to go full throttle into the public consciousness. Yeah. Um, I think uh, from what we're seeing is that, you know, going from a 1% to 2% annual sales, they're, it's already up over 7%. Oh, yeah. EV sales are, are going through the roof and to the point where I'm wondering if there's going to be enough batteries. But when you look at the Lightning... I mean, they can't even build those fast enough. They're sold out straight through the 2023 model year at this point. And there hasn't even been one on the street. It's a good sign. Um, so we uh, this uh, broadcast here on EV Power Podcast uh, can also be found on RPM News Weekly. Uh, and uh, this should be available to you. And while you're at RPM News Weekly, uh, why don't you head over to our YouTube site and subscribe. It would be much appreciated. All right, well, good talking with you uh, this week, Peter. Yeah, uh, we'll get together soon, I hope. <laughs> so, hey everybody. Thanks for joining us on the EV Power Podcast. If you'd like to hear more automotive news that goes behind the headlines, check out our other podcast, RPM News Weekly. Or visit us at rpmnewsweekly.com.